Welcome to the Confluence Investment Management Inaugural Podcast. I'm Kaiser Stuckey, Investment Strategist, and I'm joined today by two of my favorite people, Mark Keller, our Chief Investment Officer, and Bill O'Grady, our Chief Market Strategist. We are broadcasting from um, our offices in beautiful downtown Webster Groves, and uh, we will talk about the uh, economic growth environment for the next 15 minutes and also conclude with some possible Fed monetary policy responses. However, before we start this off, I'm uh, going to ask Mark to give our listeners a little background on how we separate our investment process from our ideology. Mark? Thanks, guys. Well, whenever we discuss politics or public policy, we focus on what we think is likely to happen, not what we think should occur. And this is very important. 99% of the discussions about politics or policy that you hear these days, whether it's with friends or watching TV, uh, involve some sort of prescription about what should take place. Um, It's not that we don't have opinions on these issues. It's just that they're irrelevant. Uh, our job is to manage our clients' assets, and we have to make sure that our opinions about policy don't color that process. Um, it, it, for instance, if, uh, if someone's elected that we don't particularly care for, do we just sell stocks and go away? Of course not. That's why whenever we come to the issue of policy and politics, uh, we do our best to ignore our own preferences and focus instead on what we think is actually likely to happen. And, uh, and we think that benefits our clients in the long run. Thank you, Mark. At Confluence, we oftentimes say we invest in the world that we have and not the world that we wish we had or we think there should be. Now, turning to the economy, the FOMC expectations indicate that the Fed would like to hike rates sometime later this year or possibly in the beginning of next year. But economists are torn between looking at the slow pace of the recovery as just a garden variety slow recovery, or maybe we have seen an economic sea change, so to speak. Bill, do you believe we have entered a persistently slow growth environment? Uh, yeah, there's, uh, this is a, an enormous debate in the economics community, uh, and, and we won't have time to go into it in great detail in, in this particular uh, podcast, but uh, suffice it to say that this debate has also bled into uh, the FOMC as well. Uh, the, the broad brushes of the debate, the the majority of the economics community, I think, has, has come to the conclusion that 2008 was truly a deep recession, but, but uh, a recession nonetheless, that nothing specifically changed in that recession, and that uh, to some extent, uh, to, coin, to pull a phrase from the 1930s, prosperity is just around the corner. Uh, for the most part, uh, that what we have actually seen is, is pretty disappointing growth. Uh, since the recession ended in, in June of 2009. Uh, we get two or three quarters strung together that look pretty good, and then 
Uh, we get a couple of stinkers. Uh, first quarter this year was certainly one of those. Second quarter so far uh, hasn't looked too impressive either. Um, we, we in, in Confluence, have kind of leaned toward the idea that what we went through in 2008 was actually a, a sea change of sorts. That uh, for a number of reasons, the, uh, the economy uh, has fundamentally changed. Um, and there are numerous cross currents that, that are in place. Uh, you know, perhaps the biggest one is, is uh, private sector debt. Um, Mark, you've, you've had some thoughts on that, I think. Well, you know, with, with uh, consumer spending being over two-thirds of GDP, meaning that it's twice as influential as all the other spenders put together, we ought to focus on consumers. And consumers are, uh, are have gotten themselves very, very leveraged, particularly uh, with real estate leverage, and particularly uh, in the uh, late 90s, early parts uh, of the two, 2000s, uh, such that uh, that leverage is, uh, began to crimp their style, so to speak, when the collateral underlying the, that debt began to depreciate, namely their homes and other real estate. Why is this important? Uh, because all of us, everyone who's listening to us here, have only worked, lived, and invested in an environment where consumers borrowed more money every year in the aggregate, which meant they were not just spending what they earned, they were spending a little more, so they were borrowing more, a little bit like going up, climbing up the up escalator. You make more progress than just your own steps. One of the key similarities between the current economic environment and that of the 30s is that they are the two major periods in the last century of consumer deleveraging, where consumers are spending less than they earn, and they're using the, the what, what they're not spending to pay down their debt, which means they are growing more slowly, a little bit like climbing up the down escalator. They Yes, they're moving forward, but they're moving forward much more slowly than they would uh, in a more normal environment of growing consumer uh, debt. And, and I, I think, and I think we generally as a, as a company here, think that this is really the key um, difference uh, in our this economy and this expansion versus those that we're used to in the post-war era. That's great. And that also means that really we essentially don't have anyone who remembers the uh, 1937 recession and recovery when we had similar circumstances of household deleveraging. Um, now, most economists and most uh, of the Fed presidents and governors actually fight their own demons, which were what they remember from the 1970s, inflation. Um, common sense would tell us that with all the quantitative, quantitative easing, extra liquidity that's been pumped into the system, we should have seen inflation, yet it's not there. Um, Bill, what are your views on the uh, low inflation environment? Well, it it's part of the narrative that uh, developed around the slaying of inflation uh, that uh, Paul Volcker was part of. Uh, the narrative that's developed was it was a central bank uh, single-handedly bringing down inflation. 
uh, and it's a very powerful narrative. It is widely accepted among both con- liberal and conservative economists that that was the case. In fact, we think that the Fed was at best a bit player uh, in that, that the, the real heroes of, of disinflation uh, were Jimmy Carter and, and Ronald Reagan, who started aggressively deregulating and globalizing the American economy. What deregulation did was it, it made the economy much more efficient. And what globalization did was effectively move the aggregate supply curve flatter. So in, you could increase growth pretty strongly, or at least consumption pretty strongly, but you, you wouldn't see price levels rise because as price levels started to rise, we would simply import more. Uh, these two factors are extremely powerful. Uh, the other thing that deregulation did that is generally not appreciated is that it allowed for the rapid adoption of new technologies. So in, in the period between 1940 to, to 1978, uh, there were lots of technologies available out there that would have reduced labor cost and, and the input of labor. And for a number of reasons, both regulatory and structural, those were never brought to bear. Uh, you know, it's important to note that AT&T in 1946 had a working cell phone network in, in, in St. Louis. Uh, it never saw the light of day. AT&T had no interest in it coming out, and neither did the unions or the government. Uh, but in light of high inflation, uh, policy changed, and that has, has persistently led to an economy that can grow faster with less inflation uh, the trade-off society has is you get greater inequality. Thank you, Bill. We have seen that, and that's also partially why we have seen consumption decline. Let's talk about um, something that ties in is um, the labor market. We've seen really uneven improvements in the labor market. The unemployment rate has fallen, yet fewer Americans are working. Um, it's a hard Um, landscape for the Fed to analyze and form an adequate policy response. Tell us a little more about why we have seen this, uh, an environment that hasn't really uh, happened before with the uh, participation rate down and uh, unemployment down. Uh, The what we are are seeing is is kind of a shattering, uh, a multiple multiple splits within the labor market. There are some parts of the labor market that are frankly quite tight. Uh, technology firms are struggling to find workers, for example. Uh, on the other hand, uh, low skilled jobs, although they're they're increasing and more plentiful, uh, they are facing a, a couple of bogeys. Uh, the first is there's lots of people available to do them. Uh, and secondly, the brunt of technology is starting to hit those. And uh, we are replacing uh, a lot of those jobs, and, and you see that every day. Uh, when you, uh, Very few bank te- tellers left anymore because of ATMs. Uh, when you go to the grocery store, you can scan your own groceries, and, and uh, that means fewer checkout clerks. Uh, this is going on uh, th- throughout the economy. Uh, that's one factor. The other factor is uh, demographics. The baby boom is entering retirement age, and so there are more uh, boomers 
especially those who are struggling to find work that, that simply give up and uh, decide to, to accept retirement, uh, leading to a lower participation rate. Uh, overall, this is hand-in-hand hand with deregulation and globalization. Uh, if you are able to uh, work in a globalized environment, uh, there are, are uh, good jobs available that pay very, very well, but it's difficult to get those jobs. Uh, on the other hand, if, uh, uh, if you are unable to participate in a globalized economy, it, it, it's really a struggle. And so for the Fed, if they're trying to get all those lower skilled workers employed, they're going to have to stimulate even harder than they have been. Uh, and that, I think, is one of the debates that's internal to the Fed at this point. Yeah, um, it really is a, a tough spot that the Fed is in, looking at uh, historically really the lowest rates and the most stable rates that we have seen, um, yet inflation nowhere in sight, uneven improvements in the labor market, but they are indicating that they would like to start raising rates. Mark, what do you think is the likelihood of recession, and do you think or do you think the economy could actually take a slow um, rate hike? I doubt that the economy can tolerate rates that are significantly higher than they are today. Um, I think the the relatively um, you know slack spending that we're seeing going on is uh, whatever you know is, is there because. Consumers are able to manage their debt fairly well in the low interest rate environment by converting their debt to real estate related debt, which is at very low rates. If uh, if interest rates going up starts to raise the refi rate for mortgages, uh, I think it's going to begin to slow uh, sp spending quite a bit. So I when you if you ask me about what's the probabilities of recession. I think uh, you have to come to a decision on what the Fed's going to do. Because I, I, I believe if the Fed decides to start tightening and tightens even as, say, a quarter point a, a quarter, um, you know, we'll, we'll be at 1% on Fed funds rate. And if that raises mortgage rates by 50 basis points, uh, I think we'll, we'll see an impact. Will that be enough to be recession? Probably not. But if mortgage rates are up by a point or more eventually. Um, I think we could have one. So I, I, to me, it's, it's about the Fed at this point in time. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. And uh, you can find more analysis and commentary on our website at confluenceinvestment.com. Thank you for listening. Auf Wiedersehen.